was feeling like I was in a little bit of a 60s tent revival right there. You know, it's interesting. Um, we do have a schedule, you know, a, a, a rota of the guys that are getting up to speak, but uh, we don't actually talk to each other. But it, what's, what's very interesting is just how often everything sort of all falls together. And I don't know if you've felt it, but there's kind of a theme going on today. And, and it's a kind of a, uh, a mix between how amazing God is, which of course is the center and should be the center of all of our speech and th- thinking, but also there's a reflection on the yearnings that we have, what's fulfilling us and kind of what's going on you know, in our hearts. And it just so happened that uh, in our lesson today on the book of Acts, we can just, yeah, we're, we're going to be talking about Lydia and her conversion, which is a pretty short story. We go next. So turn in your Bibles over to Acts 16, verse uh, 6 to 10. But what I've been, been doing, I've taken the opportunity to share a little bit of, of stories from the book of Acts and then look a little bit at what was going on in that event of conversion. Because really what the book of Acts is about is the spread of the church. And uh, the church spreads by people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The church spreads by people making a radical decision in their life to accept the sacrifice of Jesus. The image of Jesus on a cross is something known worldwide. So it's such a well-known graphic, Jesus on the cross. But the actual meaning of God on the cross, of God's Son being offered for us, a, a perfectly righteous sacrifice made for our sins, Most people don't get it. They see it and they see this religious act, but they don't understand the heart of God. And so looking at Lydia, with a story, we're really only going to look at ten verses out of the book of Acts right now. Uh, It's about a woman of prayer. And, you know, when I think about prayer, the thing that comes to mind is you pray when there's something stirring inside of you. Prayer and yearning go together. In fact, I think people who don't even believe in God pray. Because they're, they're talking to somebody in there, and somewhere inside they're crying out, and they're saying, help me. Or they're saying, this hurts. Isn't there something else I can do? There's, there's, there's a, the voice inside is actually yearning for something more than what they can see and what they have. And it's a longing. And, and the sad thing is, if we if we get disappointed too long, we become bitter. And I like to think about bitterness as being disappointment crystallized. If you, if you hold on to disappointment too long and just get it, after a while, it'll become bitterness. So, but the only way to get rid of disappointment, of course, is to have your hopes fulfilled or to have your hope renewed. Because hope by nature is never fulfilled until the end. Once it's fulfilled, it's, it's not hope anymore. And so we live in a world of hope. I appreciate what Cameron said. You know, we're looking forward to a city whose architect and builder is God. Boy, that's something worth hoping for. And we do put our hopes in little things along the way. Uh, if, you're, if you have a car. Uh, if you don't have a car, you might be hoping to get one. Uh, if you have a car... Most of us are probably hoping to get another one. Uh, you know, if you, you know, whatever we have, you know, it's, it's interesting. Hope is always looking forward to something that you don't yet have. But most importantly, we need to understand that these material things, like Scott was saying, 
they're not going to fulfill us. We will only be fulfilled by God, by our relationship with Him. And so as we look at the conversion of Lydia, I want us to focus in just on this, this idea of yearning and prayer and just the role that that played in this story. We'll pick this up then in Acts 16, and we'll read in verse 6. Acts 16, verse 6. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus Christ would not allow them to. So they passed by Musia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, Paul was just on the beginning of his second missionary journey. And Paul had a yearning. His yearning, we know from Romans 15, it was to preach the gospel where it never had been preached before. And he wanted to go into Asia, but the Spirit of Christ kept him from that. We don't, we don't know how that happened. We will see here that the Spirit also uh, gave him a message. You know, he had a vision. And it was a vision of a man in Macedonia. We don't know that it was actually a particular man. It was, it was a vision. Somebody in Macedonia wants our help. And the great thing is that, and I love this, this is where Luke turns up in the narrative. Luke is the writer of Acts. And for the first time in the book of Acts, it says, we. So it says in verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled. They came to Troas. And then it says in verse 10, after Paul had seen his vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. So Luke had joined the team. And now Luke's on the team, and Paul got the vision, but we were ready to go. You know, it's great to be around somebody with vision, isn't it? When there's someone that's got a dream, someone that wants to get something done, gets kind of inspiring, do you want to kind of go, yes, can I go with you? Can I do that too? And see, Paul got this vision, and it just, they made their decision, and, the, and they all decided to go to Macedonia. But it's interesting because the first person that's going to become a Christian in Macedonia is a woman. And see, Paul didn't see a woman... In his vision, he saw a man. But I don't think, I, th- I think the man idea was a little generic here. The idea was, Macedonia needs what you have. One thing I like here about Paul, I was uh, chatting with a brother on the weekend, and um, you know, he's, he's from Lebanon, he speaks Arabic, he's married an American, he's traveled uh, immensely in the Middle East, lives right now in London, and he says to me, Andy, what do you think God wants me to do? Like, like, how do you answer that question? But I know one thing that we really need to develop in our ministries in the UK, and that is converting Muslims to Christianity. And he was raised a Muslim. He's a convert to Christianity from Islam. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to go anywhere. Where do you live right now? And he lives in central London. I said, good. That's a good place to start. Any Muslims around? He goes, oh, they're everywhere. Good. I don't think you need any great revelation right here. You know, it's, it's just time to begin. Sometimes I think we get distracted by our vision because our vision's always about something far away. When in fact we need to be asking and yearning for purpose and mission right now, right in the moment. 
So just like Peter's ministry and the story of Cornelius, Paul also was getting guidance in his mission work from God. And he now makes a trip over to Macedonia. So let's read what happens. Verses 11 to 15. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now, that's all we know about Lydia right there. That, like, that's the whole story. But it's pretty amazing. Paul received a vision to, to go a fair distance. He had to travel by land and then uh, travel by boat and then by land. He gets to Philippi. And this is where the story begins again. And on the Saturday, apparently there wasn't enough Jews in the city to actually build a synagogue. So he went to a place of prayer. And there he found, most likely, uh, j- just women. And this was a Greek woman, or at least a Greek background woman. It wasn't a Jewish woman. And so... He's, this is how the church is beginning in Philippi. Not your typical go into the synagogue, find some Jews who know the scriptures and work with them. But this was just a God-fearing woman who on the Sabbath was down by the river to pray. Now, the fact that it's the Sabbath and that she was, it says it was a place of prayer, indicates that it was Jewish faith. That this was Jewish custom when there isn't a synagogue to meet together on the Sabbath and pray. So this woman had some ideas about God, something about ideas about the Scriptures, but clearly didn't know anything about Jesus yet. So in just one sitting, she finds out about Jesus, she invites Paul home, listens to the Gospel, she becomes a Christian, she's baptized, and then actually becomes the first house church, is meeting now in her home. You know, look over in Philippians chapter 1. Because when we read the book of Philippians, we're reading a letter Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, the church that began right there in Acts 16, verse 13, right, right where we saw Paul going on a Sabbath day to the place of prayer. And so when we read this, you can easily imagine Lydia is in the crowd hearing this letter being read. Paul sent this letter from jail, and so they're reading it from their dear brother Paul, who'd who'd been the one to preach the gospel first in that city, and listen to what Paul says. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, Philippians 1 verse 1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with all the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day. Now we read about the first day. From the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So from the first day until the last day. This is a pretty big picture. He says... 
It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, how does Paul feel about this Philippian church? He loves them. He loves them deeply. When he's thinking about them, his heart just overflows. It gets all warm. You know, I love being part of a church that's been around a while. Do we have any old friends here in this room? Do you have have any old friends in here? I mean, I'm not talking about age now, okay? Okay, well, well, maybe I am a little bit. But but I'm saying, you know, we 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 have... relationships and friendships that are already, in some cases, been going for two decades. That's pretty amazing. How do you feel when you see one of your old friends? Isn't it just encouraging? Isn't it encouraging to think that someone began a work in us? Jesus began this work in us? And we're on our way to completion? That just reminds me, I, I saw Tim Dannett this morning and he told me to greet the church. Tim Dannett was one of the old friends and relationships in the church here. He and his wife served here in the congregation a few years ago. But you know, once you build these relationships together, it's, it's, it, no one can take that away from you. It's a history. It's a bond. It's something precious. But we need to, to keep moving towards the end, right? If we move away from God's will... If we don't keep yearning for what God wants for us, then the relationships divide. And yet really what God wants is for us to stay together, to be unified. He's given us all this mission and this grace. You know, I wanted to uh, show you another picture. I want to tell a little bit about some Moscow stories. And and there are going to be about women kind of celebrating the the women motif today. But uh, Ira is the... Well, almost the shortest in their family. Her, her younger son, Andre, now is actually tall, taller than anyone. He's now the tallest. But, but uh, this little story about Ira. You know, when Tammy and I arrived in Moscow in 1991, we arrived with our a mission team, mostly campus students. There was one older person on the team, a 54-year-old woman, God bless her, had fled the Ukraine and escaped before the Soviet Union fell apart, and then was willing to come back and be on the mission team for six months. And she spoke fluent Russian, so uh, that was awesome. Uh, but, but she came, she was, she was with us, but everyone else were teenagers or in the early 20s. And so we had a two-year-old daughter, Britton, many of you know, and um, we, we, had, we wanted someone for Britain to play with. We, want, we were praying for a family. But by October, we still hadn't found like that playmate for Britain. A few families had been converting, converted, but the children didn't match. Either they're way older or babies or, you know. Where was this? We, were, we just were pl- praying almost every night. God, can we convert a family with a girl Britain's age? That they can be best friends. Well, in October of 91, after a Sunday service... Um, I was, I was just fin- I finished the sermon, we finished the song, I was talking to people at the front, and do you, you ever know, notice out of the corner of your eye that somebody wants to talk to you? 
It it's kind of makes you nervous, right? And, and I see this woman I've never seen before in my life. And she looks very intense. And she's looking at me and, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, you try to finish your conversation, but you already feel like something's starting here already, like there's a conversation going on. So I finished this conversation and I said, hi, you know, and uh, she didn't even say her name. She came right up and, and Russian's personal space is much closer than ours, okay? <laughs> so she got within about six inches of my face. That was not offensive for her. Uh, and she, she got up there and she goes... I have one question for you. And she was like, she wasn't smiling, super intense. I have one question for you. Yeah? Did you really mean what you said? Uh, yes. Uh, what are you talking about exactly? Do you really believe that every believer needs to be a disciple of Jesus? I mean, she, she, she was like reading off my sermon notes, you know, just going down. And, and do you really believe that God wants us to be a family? And, and, and her voice was a little raised. I'm like, yes, I do. Good. And then she left. <laughs> and I mean, she left really quick. So, you know, not, not even a goodbye. Just left. So, anyways, uh, after service, I was like, Tammy, do you, do you know this woman? She's like, no, I, I didn't see her. And uh, then I started asking people, anyone know this woman? I asked, like, you know, half the church in the next few days. Like, anyone know this? Nobody knows this woman. So, it's Tammy's turn next week. Guess, guess who shows up to the church next week? This woman. And uh, she goes right up to Tammy. And she goes, I want to get baptized now. And, the, and Tammy goes, oh, well, well, who do you know in the church? Well, no one. Oh, have you been going to a Bible discussion or something? No. Um, how many times have you been with us? Well, I came last week and I came this week. And then she held up the first principles booklet, studies about how to become a Christian. She picked one up off one of the chairs. She goes, I read this book all the way through. I read all the scriptures. I want to be a Christian. Will somebody baptize me? <laughs> and you're like, okay, let's just slow this down a little bit. Now, needless to say, it, it, was, it was like 48 hours and she was baptized. I mean, she was ready. She was yearning. You know, but what's interesting, to get a little backstory. Two years before that, Ira had, had uh, gone to just a, in one of these little, um, they call them culture houses. It's like a little uh, place for professionals where they have like, they, they hang, a meeting hall. So she goes to this meeting hall and they're showing this movie, Jesus, the Gospel According to Luke. You might have seen it, at, the Navigators put it out in the late 80s. It's the Gospel of Luke. She saw this movie, sat through the whole thing, and when it finished, she's just like, that's Jesus. Because it was just the gospel, done. She'd never read the Bible before that, never thought about God much. And she walked out and she goes, I love Jesus. Jesus is the best. She became like a Jesus fan right there. So she goes to the neighborhood Orthodox Church and she goes in. And they don't know what to do with her. She's, she comes in and she goes, tell me about Jesus. And the priest is like, shh. You know, wait till after, we'll talk. You know, and she's just busting with energy. She went for months. Nobody would open up the Bible with her. They're telling her about these saints. They're telling her about this, this, these traditions. And she's like, can someone just tell me about Jesus? So how did she end up at the service the week before? She uh, is a musician and she was just playing. She played at this, stopped at this one place where she practiced her piano. And someone had left on the bench an invitation to Sunday service. And she took it and she goes, I'm going. And that's how she got there. 
she found an invitation. Now, now Ira is, she's faithful today. I mean, like, her, she's, her, son, her oldest son's become a Christian, and the two younger children still haven't. But Tanya became Britain's best friend. They are about three months apart. So we didn't know if she had any kids or anything yet. But when it came to the next day when we met, she came to the house, she brought her daughter. And we're like, wow, this, this is the answer to our prayer. And the amazing thing is, Tanya and Britton became very best friends for eight years. Every week, either they stayed one night at our house or one night at their house. And Tanya was like a daughter to us and our daughter Britton was like a daughter to them. God answers prayer. But Ira's prayer, of course, that's the greater prayer. This is a little side benefit. But what I'm trying to tell you is, God fulfills all our yearnings when we really lay them out there. Paul's yearnings were fulfilled. Because Paul wanted to preach the gospel. Paul wanted to see lives change. And God allowed him to see that. God has allowed us to see many Amazing things. We'll go to the next slide. This is Tanya, Marina, and Genia. Now, they were all baptized in November 1991. They are all faithful to God today. And they're alive, which is important. Uh, they've, they've had some rough, rough times going. The, these were considered older people in the Moscow church. The youngest one there was 49 and maybe up to about 54 at the time. Uh, that's, that's not now. This is 20 years later, obviously. Um, but you know what happened? Was uh, two, of, two of their sons became Christians. One was a teen. He was 16 years old. And the other was a student. He was 20. And the mothers came to, to see what was going on. And they became Christians. But Tanya had a very different story. And she was just invited on the street... But at the same time she was invited, it was the same week she was contemplating suicide. She was yearning in her heart. Now she didn't even know who God was. She'd been raised in communist Soviet Union and, and had pretty much bought all of that kind of stuff. She was a mechanical engineer and, and educated and, and very literate, but just no faith, but total desperation. She's 49 years old, and she met a, a young 20-year-old on the street and decided to come along. She was going to give it one chance. That's what she said. Okay? I'll give this a chance. I don't even know what it is. I'll give it a chance. Now, I'm going to read you a letter. Go to the next one. Okay? I know it's hard to read. I just wanted to get the whole thing up there, but... But I want to read this. This again is a letter she wrote when I was doing missions contribution speeches back in 1997. And I read another one of these a few weeks ago that a guy had written. But this is Tanya's story, Tanya's letter. Moscow, February 1997. My name is Tatiana. I'm 55 years old. Six years ago in the summer of 1991, a team was sent to Moscow from America, led by Andy Fleming and Kip McKean. Praise God, that same year I was baptized. Before I was baptized, my life was a living hell. My husband drank, my son drank, and smoked, stole, and used narcotics all the time. At the time, he was 16 years old. Nothing in my life brought me any joy, and I began to think about suicide. I saw no other way out. At this time, I was invited to church. 
My first impression was a feeling of joy, love, and light, all that I had become unaccustomed to in 49 years of life. I saw in my life fighting, insults, humiliation, and gloom. Here at the meeting, I saw deep respect, attention, a desire to help. I had already given up hope that I could change my heart and my life. Ina, who was this older woman on the team, who had come from the team from Chicago, came up to me and offered me a chance to learn the wisdom of God. This is how my new life began. Six years have passed. I am full of joy and happiness. My heart is full of gratitude for the first disciples of God who came into this country. If all this had passed me by, I would have perished long ago in this dark life. I am so very thankful for all of you and what has happened in these six years. My mother was baptized at age 83. She has now already left this earth, but I know she is happy in the kingdom of heaven. My husband has changed. She has a job and helps take care of our son. My son has stopped drinking, stealing, and using narcotics. I send you my deepest regards with love, Tatiana. May God bless you in all your good deeds for your whole life to His glory. You know, this woman's life changed forever. You know, we all have stories. But there was a yearning in her heart. But there wasn't even a prayer because she didn't even know who to pray to. She wasn't addressing it to God. She was just addressing it out to the unknown. And yet God heard her and brought her into the family of the church. You know, it's interesting. Can you go back a slide? Um, these, These three women... They became the prayer warriors of the Moscow church. I mean, they always came up to me, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. You know, some of you don't know the story of Tammy and myself, but we had tried, we had tried to have children for many years. And in fact, our daughter Britton was a, tri- a twin, and the twin miscarried. And then we were in Sweden at the time, and without doing the proper examination, they basically gave her the pills to kind of clean everything out while the the second baby was still inside. The gynecologist that did that basically tendered her resignation, but we told her, don't do that. It was a mistake, and you know what? Whatever God allows to happen, allowed to happen. But they warned us that Britain, in most likelihood, would be deformed, spinal problems, etc. Instead, Britain was born perfectly healthy. Wheat allergy, but everything else normal. That's in my family. But anyways... Uh, from the time of Britain to the time of Justin, which is nine years, and people sort of say, why did you wait nine years? Well, between Britain and Justin is 15 or 16 miscarriages. We don't even know the number because we sort of stopped counting at some point. But I know it was more than 12. And, and you know, we did we give up? Well, actually, after about, about six years, Tammy stopped getting pregnant. Well, lo and behold, in 1989, January, Tammy's pregnant. And so we don't tell anybody because, you know, they didn't normally go two months. You know, they didn't go that long. So we, we were waiting to see. But she hadn't been pregnant in three years. So anyways, we waited four months. And guess what? She's starting to be really pregnant. I mean, like, wow, okay, it's happening. And, of course, Tammy's 38 now, and she's like, I didn't expect to be doing this at 38, but anyways, okay. Uh, but what was, what was amazing was, I got up and announced to the church that Tammy was pregnant. These three women came up to me, no less bold than Ira that day, 
And they said, God has given you a son. And I said, well, I mean, you know, we, we got a child coming, but... And, and it was Jenya in the middle. She shook her finger at me and she said, Andy, you taught us to pray and you don't believe? We've been praying and fasting for Tammy to get pregnant and for you to have a son. And this is a son. Okay? Let's skip now to the next slide. Okay? Read the scripture together. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians about the contribution that they were taking for others, for the benefit of others. And, and look what he says. He says, This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. In other words, you just don't say you're a Christian. You live like a Christian. There's obedience that accompanies your confession. And for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. You know, these women prayed for us because they loved us. That was it. And they knew I wanted a son. And I did. I really did. But to my shame, when they said that to me, you know what I realized? I had stopped praying. I had given up. I had accepted the fact. I, I, I kind of got, well, we've, we're kind of like Abraham and Sarah here. This is the time has passed, you know. And no one's promised me I'm going to have a son. So I guess I'm just going to give it up. You stop hoping, right? But inside, the yearning was still there. I just wasn't being open. Go to the next picture. That's Justin, the day, that's the day he was born. In the little corner there. <laughs> swaddled as they do in Russia. They, they wrap the babies up completely. They can't budge. You know, just swaddle them, it's called. You know, but I, so it just so happened we were having an all-church family time. There's like two and a half thousand people together at this meeting. I show this slide of Justin. Guess who's up there in my face? And, and Zhenya says to me, do you believe now? And I go, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Amen. You know, what we've really been talking about today, we're talking about God's heart for us, which was so fully manifest in the sacrifice of Jesus. But also, we have a God who has given us the capacity to yearn for things of real value. And what is of more value than each other's souls? And Paul wrote to this church, which began on one day. One day the church in Philippi began. The day before there was no church. That there was a day when it began. And then a decade later he wrote a letter and he said, You're my partners and you've been that way since the very first day. You're in my heart. You know, the amazing thing is, there's hundreds of people in Birmingham that we could be feeling this way about that we don't even know yet. God sees something out in our city that we do not see. He sees the yearning hearts. But we 
also have to have the yearning, as Paul did, to share that message where it's not been shared. To really get it out there. To let people know what we believe and what Jesus has done for us about the incredible grace each one of us has received. It is something worth talking about. You know what? We really, we just need to completely just rededicate again. It's ourselves to prayer. That prayer is really the key. Being open with God about what's in our hearts and really understanding what are we yearning for and laying that before God and praying for each other. And then really just watching and waiting to see what God will do. You know, Lydia was a seller of purple. She was a, um, you know, a, a businesswoman. She was on her own. She had a household she was providing for. There was a lot of impressive things going on in her life. But she took the time each Saturday to go to a place of prayer because she was seeking God. In her heart, she was yearning for something more. And God brought yearning people together because when she met Paul, she met another one who was yearning. Yearning to share the truth about Jesus with yet another person. And God put them together and the result was eternal victory. Let's really just open up our imaginations to what God could be doing. And you know, miracles happen. They really do. I I can't work them with my hands. But let, let me tell you, God can. And if you don't pray, it says in James chapter 2, you do not have because you do not ask. But maybe we're not asking because we're not really yearning anymore. You know, our hearts all have a capacity to yearn. We're yearning for something. But if you're like me, sometimes you're just yearning for peace. Can everyone just leave me alone? You ever get yearning for that? But you know, it's funny, once you get alone and get it, you still don't have it. Peace only comes from God. It's our relationship with God that's the center of every good thing. Let's pray together as the worship team comes up and takes their place. Our Father in God, we thank you that that there is so much to be grateful for. Father, I thank you for my son. And I thank you for the prayers of three sisters who, in their gratitude, didn't give up praying for something that I even had stopped praying for. Uh, Father, I just thank you for that. I thank you that that there's that then when my faithfulness wavers, there's others that can help me and, and, and help me along. And Father, I pray that we can really be that for each other, that we can fulfill the dream that you have for each one of us, that we really can become uh, and be transformed to become more like Christ each day, that we can also draw closer to you and know you better. Help us to know your love. Thank you for just the imagery that Cameron shared with us of just how gigantic this universe is and really how insignificant we are from any kind of, you know, natural point of view. But Father, we know that we are so important that you sent your only son to die for us. Father, I pray that we value each other, we value ourselves, we value the world around us the same way that you do. And that we really see that loving each other is the right thing And that Jesus gave us the most perfect example of how to do it. Father, we thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.